This podcast is intended for mature audiences and contains adult language and subject matter. Listeners, please be advised. Welcome back to another stunning edition of Drinking With Your Ex. I am Blake Thompson. And I am Bonnie Neal. And yes, welcome back. Thank you guys so much. We just wanted to, man, uh, the podcast has just taken off and we have just a big thank you to our listeners. We are so grateful. It has just been moving. The amount of feedback, the amount of listens, the amount of engagement. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Yeah, and also thank you all for that have contributed to new ideas for future podcasts. Oh, yeah. We've gotten some really great future topics coming, and it's all because of you. Yes, yes, and, and keep, keep it coming, right? You know, spread the word, send it, share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with your mom, because that's not weird at all. Uh, but <laughs> That's it. Make it weird. Thanks, Bonnie. There's a Facebook group. It is private, but you're welcome to invite anybody on it. And then, you know, there is always our website, www.drinkingwithyourx.com, um, where you can get all the episodes. You can sign up and subscribe for our email news blast that'll have soon to be go out whenever we get that thing up and running. And we're also going to be working on that blog as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And also for premium listeners that are looking to maybe contribute to our future oncoming Patreon or OnlyFans account. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we are working towards um, a subscription as well as always taking donations. Thank you guys for keeping us in booze and keeping us on the air. We, it, this has just been this has, this has been so much fun. We're having Abs- so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's absolutely phenomenal, and we can't thank you enough. All right, so let's get oh, go on. Let's tell people what this is after we've already done it. This is a podcast that uh, Blake and I are exes, and we find ourselves over forty and single with still wildly strong opinions about why both of us are still single. very strong opinions why we're both single and over forty, which leads us to today's topic because uh, this has been come up a lot. And you know, we, we were interviewed recently by a friend of mine, Dennis Tardan, Tardan Media, which is available on YouTube, and I found that I. Said that, thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for that interview. He is one of the best humans ever. And I found that I'm the one who said that, you know, when you're single and you're over 40, you've obviously done something wrong, right? You know, this obviously some of the traits you've been doing beforehand aren't working. But that led to kind of what I felt was a weird self-referential, self-loathing questions. And it leads us to today's topic. Does dating in your 40s mean that you're a failure? Yeah. Or does it mean you're less of a person because you've not quite established yourself in an ongoing long-term relationship? Right. And, and what, you know, over dating over 40, is it a failure? Are you a failure? Have you failed? That's today's topic, which, you know, uh, we, we'll find a way to make uh, uplifting and entertaining. Yeah. The year, There are, ready for it? Yes, I'm ready for it. There are three rules. As you know, our fantastic listeners, our three rules are of the following. Rule number one, 
Each podcast is inspired by a particular kind of booze or cocktail. That is relevant to this week's topic. And we have to say inspired by because it's not sponsored by because sponsorship means they pay us. If you want to pay us, please info at drinkingwithyourex.com. But <laughs> this week's episode, Does Being Over 40 Mean You're a Failure? This week's episode is brought to you by McAllen 12-Year-Old Double Cast Scotch. Because there's got to be some absolutely motherfucking advantages to being over 40 and one of them is good 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 booze and good good taste and refined taste in booze yeah i'm not willing to be that fancy i just uh i i just i, I can now afford really 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 much better booze yeah oh gee i'm a fancy bitch i admit it that's true you are a fancy bitch oh sure which segues which brings us to our rule number two which is that we both get to introduce each other to the worldwide audience thus engaging in edge play having your ex describe you to the world and Let's go with rule number three. And rule number three is the fun part that you've all seemed to really enjoy. <laughs> Everybody seems to like this part. <laughs> is where each one of us gets to ask the other an uncomfortable question. And that question cannot be avoided. Nope. Nor going to be weaseled out of or else a follow-up uncomfortable question will be coming. But you must yeah. answer. Must answer. You must answer. And for all you know, it's like you because you, apparently y'all love our vulnerabilities. Yeah, so. you love it when we got to strip emotions. Especially naked on a podcast and then jump up and down on each other's vulnerability. You know, hey. <laughs> we, we, and we're doing this for you, everyone. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Because, uh, you know, this originally was drinking with your ex and other bad ideas. Uh, what could go wrong? Let's get this ball rolling. So we've already introduced our Inspired by Booze. Our Inspired by Alcohol. Which Bonnie and I are both sipping on. And it is fantastic. It is so good. So good. Wish you were here. Not really. It's mine. And then the second one is we're going to introduce each other. All right. So. Okay, so let me introduce Bonnie Neal, my ex of 24 years. Wow, had to put a number on it, man. Okay. <laughs> yes, and an accomplished writer and also literary aficionado. She's incredibly well-read and likes to discuss this over dates and over drinks. Aww. That's so nice. It is nice, because it's true. Aw, you are so nice to me. All right, world at large, this is Blake Thompson, as I have mentioned, a silver fox trained therapist, who, I stole this from a meme, but the moment I saw it reminded me perfectly of him, who is pro-science, pro-choice, and pro-wrestling. Our <laughs> wonderful... <laughs> Blake Thompson really loves pro wrestling, and I made me watch it a few times when we were dating. And um, you know, I admire that he's got eclectic taste. Eclectic taste, and for everyone that does know me, yes, I have a truckload of useless pro wrestling trivia and knowledge. His love is pure. Yes, and I have met numerous wrestlers in my life, and have friends that currently work for the WWE. And <laughs> <laughs> I like how like, that's not a bad introduction. Just yeah, and they currently work for the WWE and do all kinds of great things for them. So, Bonnie can make fun of me all you want. I totally admit that I'm a wrestling mark. Wrestling nerd. Love it. Well, let's do it. Let's move on to this week's topic. I feel like we have just sort of like, uh, this is the longest lead-in ever. We're all about the foreplay. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, right, let's just get at the meat of it. Does dating when you're over 40 mean that you're a failure? 
Yeah, and the thing is, it's funny. Like when we were sitting there over dinner talking about this mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. and going over the, all the reasons why. No, you're not. For a lot of our listeners that are over forty, maybe you are looking for the right opportunity. It just hasn't presented itself yet. I, yeah, I feel like there's there's something to break down in that like statement, right? Something to break down in that question. Does it mean that you are a failure? Like you, uh, you're what like, you're a failed human being. Does it mean that you have failed at life? Does it mean that you have failed at uh, romantic and sexual relationships? There may be a yes, maybe to that last one, but does failing or not succeeding in a long-term romantic and sexual relationship, does answering yes to that question, does that mean the previous two questions are correct? Like, does that mean that you are a failed human being and you are living a failed life? That, I think, is kind of where I want us to talk about because I get kind of, well, I, I'm, the word, I'm the one who said it, right? I, I'm the one who said that, you know, in the interview with Dennis, that once you're dating over your 40s, you, you're aware that you've done something wrong, right? That you're, you're aware that you've had some bad habits that have led to some failed relationships. Absolutely. But there's also other things that have, can contribute to why you are dating in your 40s. You might have not given yourself the opportunity for education, for career, for travel, for other life experiences that you were chasing where it might not have been a relationship. Well, and so that's that's where I feel like, thank you, uh, that, that's where I fall into. I have had very specific goals since I was a very young girl. And those goals involved never getting married and never having children. And I never, ever wanted those things. And I remember when I turned 40 at my 40th birthday party, I kind of, I literally did a little happy Snoopy dance in my bedroom because I realized that I would like mission accomplished. Go, Bonnie. I hit 40 without a mortgage, without a man and without, you know, being in motherhood. Fuck yes, go me. <laughs> I was so happy, you know, that I, I did it, you know, and I understand that I'm a mortgage banker and there's a little bit of hashtag irony in the idea of not having a mortgage, but I, I do have one now. I bought a house, but I measured my life. I measure my life, you know, separately from the somewhat more culturally acceptable norms, yardsticks, like being married, like having children, owning a house. You know, I, I had uh, wanted different things in my life and I pursued them and had them. But so I don't think I'm a failed person and I don't think that I have a failed life. What I do think is that I do think I have failed at cultivating, prioritizing and really engaging with long term romantic and sexual relationships. But that's also where the birth of this podcast came from as well, yes. where we're talking about, you know, actively wanting to date and establish relationships in our 40s. Yeah, it, it's a priority for me now in a way it hadn't been before. And also with that dating, it doesn't necessarily mean a romantic relationship. It could be a new friendship based off. It's like when you find out, it's like, hey, this person is really awesome, but I don't want to date them. This is the second time you've sort of gone down this route whenever uh, we've been talking about, you know, specifically like romantic, sexual relationship being the goal of dating. And you said, well, maybe like that's not the goal of it. Maybe it's not romantic or sexual maybe it is like making a new friend and you know becoming uh you know a a pool player partner or something like that and like can you kind of talk a little bit about like do you go on dates where the goal isn't some sort of romantic or sexual connection it depends on what type of date it is okay explain well it's like as you all know it's like like i have very strong opinions about dating apps i am not a fan only sociopaths are and if you say you're a fan i'm apologizing ahead of time because i'm not but go ahead yeah 
<laughs> but there's um there's a app that I like to use, uh, Meetup, where many people get together and do different things. Right. And some of them have a dating nuance to them. Elaborate. Uh, there's a hiking group that does single hikes. Ah, okay. There's also um single pool players. Or, um, there's a there's an improv group that does actually a singles group that gets together does improv with a dating connotation to it. Okay. With the idea that everybody who shows up is is single, right? Yes. Is romantically and sexually available. Right. Okay. 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 So that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah, I... that's, that's, that's what I mean. Because there's a possibility you could be an amazing human being, but it might not click in that romance way. Right. Or, but you have a like-minded interest. And then, you know, connections lead to connections lead to connections, right? Right. Okay. And again, then also, you could become friends with that person and something could develop yeah. as well. Where you could start off as friends, then all of a sudden one day it's like, wow, I'm really into you. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to hijack the whole conversation, but I just like, you know. Not at all. Not at all. Know, my little spotty sense being like, Ding, 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 ding. Blake has repeated something three times in three separate incidences. He's trying to tell me something. Okay, so I told, back, back, back to the, thank you. Thank you for allowing me down that tangent. No worries. But going back to kind of where we were beforehand, I told you why I don't consider myself to be dating over 40 as either a failed human or, you know, failed life, but, you know, probably maybe a, a failure at successful relationships. What about you? Where do you consider yourself on that? Well, spectrum? as I'm getting older, we've talked about it. I'm about to turn 49 here in a few days. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Happy birthday, Blake. Yeah. Doing a lot of hard reevaluations of my life and what I've done in past relationships, past dating relationships. I don't think I'm a failure, but I think I missed something. And I'm working I'm working on trying to put my finger on that. Where I'm not in that long-term committed relationship like I, I expected I would be by the time I reach this age. Okay. So, I don't know. Let me break that down a little bit. You you don't think that you're a failure, but you do think that you've missed something along the way. And so that maybe you've and again, failed this your is... expectations of yourself. Is that kind of what? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Because one, it's like when you start getting into your late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, you start reevaluating your life. And uh, since I'm turning 49, I've been doing that quite a bit. I would say, I, I was telling you that I remember you were at your 45th birthday and you were also equally kind of in your head. Um... I feel like there's a busy little like accountant auditor that's wandering around the, <laughs> the the inner mind palace of the Blake and, you know, frankly, taking inventory and frankly, kind of judging. Yeah. And I always say it's a circus clown with a whoopee cushion making toilet humor jokes. <laughs> well, OK, uh, I'm not you do you, boo. But uh, <laughs> uh, there am I not wrong? Like you no, are making you, a kind no, of like you are not you are not wrong. Brutal inventory. Yeah, and it's um, like brutal inventory is actually a really, really appropriate comment. Do you think that's helpful, useful? No, not, not even not even remotely. Uh, seems a little self-torturing fetishization there. Uh, uh, well, no, as as we all know, it's like, like and I have said this before in previous podcasts, I am in therapy, and this is something that I do discuss with my therapist. I need to give myself permission and forgiveness of myself that, no, you had these expectations before, you now have the opportunity to develop new expectations of yourself and also create a new future for yourself where it can be anything you want it to be. You're allowed to be particular when you get to, to a certain age in your dating. Yes. Where you're going, I'm looking for different outcomes to a new relationship versus old past relationships that weren't successful. Okay. So that is what you say to sort of argue against the um, audit taking clown? Yes. Okay, good. Well, at least I'm glad that there's a there's a, there's a a counter argument happening there. No, no, there, there's an absolute counter argument happening. It's, just, it's not just me going, woe is me, I'm beating myself up. No. That's not happening. Yeah, because back when you were turning uh, the number of 45 caliber ammunition, <laughs> that clown was really wreaking some havoc on your uh, sense of self. It was basically 
basically telling you all, pointing out all the things you didn't have, uh, and, right. and essentially you were completely blind to all the things you did have. Yes, and uh, and also like I also chose a couple other things over relationships, like motorcycles. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> you know, but that, I mean, hey, I chose uh, you know a house and a community over, over a relationship. You know, over prioritizing relationships. And it's it's also coming coming to the realization that no and like at my age and being single it's not a failure it's not a scarlet letter it's not a hash mark on my life that says oh no you fucked up no that's not it at all it's not but it i think maybe we had to be here to kind of realize and give ourselves that level of grace because let's face it I mean, I'm not telling anybody things I don't know, but the dating world can be kind of judgy, McJudgy, fucking mean, right? And they're, you know, the the conventional wisdom to dating over 40. And I've heard this, and I know that you know this. Some of my friends that 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 say this, that ask ask this about you, you know, he's over 40 and never been married. What's wrong with him, right? Yeah. Or she's over 40 and has never been married. What's wrong with her? What kind yeah. of, you know, is she a spinster? Is she, you know, uh, frigid? Like, what what kind of is she, is she gay? And you're like, well, wow, okay. Yeah, and. Like, and like, and the answer is, honesty, folks, for my family that might be listening, it's like some of them accuse me. It's like, well, Blake's never had a successful relationship with a woman, so what's the fuck's wrong with him? Uh, Blake, are you gay? It's like, no, I'm not. Queer is a three dollar bill, but not gay. Thanks for yeah, asking, no, Mom no, and Dad. Absolutely, I totally like. I totally identify as queer, but, but explaining to them that there's nothing wrong with me because I did not run out in my early twenties, get married, start procreating doing all the things that were expected in small town USA. Well, I, not just small town USA. Like this is, this is a social pressure in New York city. You see this in Austin. Uh, I, I don't think it's unique to the United States, right? I think the pressure for young people to pair bond and procreate is one might say, you know, a, 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 our species depends upon it. Um, I refer to that process as following a life on script. Right? right. And I know you've heard me say this before, but the way I think about life and the way I think about my life and kind of where it fits into it is that life on script. Um, you know what it is, right? Uh, it's the, you know, white, upper middle class, socioeconomically mobile. You graduate from high school. You go to college. You meet a man in college. You guys get married. You get a job. You get an apartment, maybe the first house in the first three years. Then you decide to procreate. You have 2.5 children. Then you move to the suburbs. You put them in a good school. You raise them well. Then you pay for their college. And then you guys retire. And then you go and you go on tour buses of uh, <laughs> the Athens ruins um, with, you know, built-in prepaid meals. And you're in bed by 6 p.m. Right? That's the script. There, the thing That's about... A t that, that script sounds absolutely terrifying. Yes, but, but on, <laughs> I always thought so. But, but damn, if not a lot of people follow it, right? Right? Like maybe I embellished and there's a lot of specific details that you don't have to do. But the, the reassuring thing about that script, right, is it does actually tell you that if you do these things, you've got a better than average chance of being happy. Right. right? Like this is this is a script. This is a roadmap to happiness, to a, a successful life and being a successful human. Right. And that is a life on script. And while I. You know, there's been times in my youth I had a lot of really nasty, judgy things to say about people who chose a life on script. I respect the hell out of it because it's also not an easy route to do. No. I mean, nobody said, like, getting married and have kids is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, no, it's not easy. And also, when we're talking about life on script, Bonnie and I have both in our lives have went off script where other things came up that we desired. 
and that we were looking for? Well, I would say that I think for me, I, I don't think my life ever went on script. I, I, I think I knew from a very young age uh, that I was conceived, born and raised for, you know, specific purposes that didn't involve that kind of life. Mm-hmm. And so a life on script was kind of never really for me and I never really wanted it. But the downside to living your life off script is a bunch of perpetual terror and making shit up because you don't actually know what to do to make yourself happy. You kind of have to figure it out on your own. And sometimes you have to define your own happiness and, you know, your own failures. It's a Yeah. It's and also a, happiness isn't a constant. It's an ideal. I know that now. That was not. But I mean, like when you're younger, what makes you happy? That could be a multitude of different things depending on how old you are. Right. When you're 19, it's like, yeah, woo, driving around, doing things, yeah, chasing girls at bars or trying to get into bars before you were old enough to drink, yada, yada. I mean, you were you and I were different 19-year-olds. I was dating you and a senior at NYU when I was 19. Remember that? Uh, I do remember that, and you getting into bars. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so Bonnie was underage drinking everyone. <laughs> I was. Well, I mean, I didn't turn 21 until after I'd graduated from college, so, yeah. When I was 19, I'm running around Ohio going to concerts, you know, like screaming down the street in a 78 souped up Nova thinking I was the coolest thing on earth. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's just, I'm just snickering at that. And 78 souped up Nova thinking I was the coolest thing on earth. I feel like that's just a, a, a segue into a Bruce Springsteen song. Go ahead. I'm just being snarky. <laughs> uh, living a Springsteen dream. Right. You know, but going off script, which I think, you know, that's, I think, what is one can tell himself is true. If you find yourself dating over 40, guess what? Your life has gone off script, yeah. right? We are off script now yeah. because I don't even think it's the majority, but it definitely has the sense that the majority of people out there have already pair bonded and settled down and they're, they've got their person and they're just, they're just cruising to retirement and um, a vineyard and tour bus. But again, like we've seen on dating apps, there are a lot of people, men and women and non-binary that are out there over 40 and they're dating. They've lived their life and they explain it in their dating apps, sometimes in their in their bio. It's like, hey, I did this, 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 and I'm finding myself to the point where it's like, yeah, now I want a meaningful relationship. I would like a dating life. Yeah. Now, now it's a priority. Now I, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I am. Yeah. Now, I, I had a lot of mountains to conquer. I had a lot of hills to, to defeat. I had a lot of demons that needed to be killed. And now I'm, I'm more emotionally available than I have been in my entire life. Right on. And as Bonnie has always liked to point out to me that at times in my life, I have been an insane, psychotic workaholic. Yes. And uh, Takes now, one to no one. Do you want to be the pot or the kettle in this right? conversation? Pot and kettle, yes. But what's really cool now, I have an incredibly balanced life between work and personal life. Mm, me too. And it's wonderful. It's like 4.30, I'm walking out the door on peace. And <laughs> like all of a sudden, I and my evenings are free for hobbies, for dating, for what have you. And it's new to me. Yeah. It's And so it's kind of exciting and scary all at the same time where it's like, I can actually do this now. I can actually invest time in a relationship. I can invest time into a dating lifestyle where before I always had an excuse why I couldn't. Work. Workaholic. Yep. Yeah. Work, school, this, that, the other. Oh, Blake has how many jobs at one time? Five. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know me, I would just go through this cycle, right? Where overachieve, overachieve, burnout, flaming burnout, then go and work in a coffee shop. I'm a writer. I'm going to be an artist. And then freak out because I don't have any money. And then I'd go get a job that was wildly overachieving, overachieve, overachieve, burnout, flame out, go get a, get a job in a spa and become a writer. Oh my God, I need money. Once again, go. Yeah. 
all of that was a learning experience for both of us. Yeah. It wasn't just we weren't we weren't just on autopilot. I, I want to push back a little bit though about that is that I did date. I did. I did date in my twenties and thirties and um part of the reason why I you know, in retrospect I was emotionally unavailable, but also being a woman in my twenties, late twenties and early thirties, I'm telling a man that I'm dating that no, I really don't want to get married and I really don't want children. Right. And how many of them didn't believe me? Right. How many of them thought that I was lying to them to what trap their so completely irreplaceably valuable ass? Right. Visibly eye roll on that one. Folks. Yeah. You know, but they didn't <laughs> believe me and they thought I was a liar. And then once we were actually we've been dating for a while and then they're like, oh, you really mean it. You don't really want kids. And I'm like, what part of me fucking saying I didn't want kids? It's like, what, what was confusing to you? And they're like, well, but I. I want kids. And I'm like, well, then you should date someone else. Right. And they got really mad because apparently I was not playing the role that they were expecting, which was to kind of trap a man into marriage and then push, push fatherhood upon him. Right. Or push marriage upon him. And but you were very forthcoming with the fact that you were being honest. No, I don't want this. I don't want this. It's not for me. Yes. And those people were not respecting you. Well, and that's part of the reason why I did, I did kind of like wholesale, uh, go on a dating sabbatical, I would say, for about, like, five to six years from my, like, mid-30s to 40s. Granted, that is when I had my midlife crisis, so, you know, I was doing some pondering, doing some thinking, but, <laughs> yeah, the early 30s dating was just a whole bunch of guys being like, yeah, you're lying. You, all girls want to get, all girls want married. All girls want babies. And I'm like, I don't really want babies. I've been trying to get a gynecologist to agree to get my tubes tied since I was 16. That's a thing, right? And the the, so that's frustrating when you're on a date with somebody who just doesn't believe you about basic things and is frankly unwilling to admit their own desire for those basic things. And then they blame you for that. Fun. Over 40, Oddly, people believe me now. Yay! <laughs> it's nice to not be called a liar on a first date. Exactly. And nor should you be. Uh, there, there's, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I'm the only one, but I also think that I, I think there is a, 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 a shame mechanism on women, especially women dating in their 30s, to be honest about those questions, right? Do you want kids? Yes or no. But if they say yes, then they're never going to hear from this guy again. That is a real thing. Yep. And... You know, a girl, a girl admitting that she wants children doesn't mean she wants to have them right the fuck now, right? Um, or even with you. Or even with you. Let's tone down that arrogance factor yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like before you think that you're about to forcibly end into planting your seed, guess what? Full stop. Rewind. What, uh, here's my question for you, and I need you to please explain and defend your entire uh, gender. Please, go ahead. Like, why? No pressure. Why is it so difficult for men from, what, age 25 onward to admit that they want to be a father, to admit that that is a genuine desire they want in their life? Why is that so, forgive my language, fucking taboo? Why? Because they do. I mean, I would say the majority of the men that I've known in my life, to be a father is a genuine desire for them. They, it is something that they want to do in one, their life. They were, never, they were never taught how to communicate in the first place. <laughs> Fair enough, right? The patriarchy hurts us all. but Yeah, but we can generalize about the male species all we want. When you break it down to the individual, it's like, what type of father figure do they have? Did they have one? Were these conversations had with their parents? Like, much like sex education, everyone, which is completely ignored here. Yeah. What happens afterwards? It's never discussed it's always and it's always implied it's like you have you'll have the parents that all of a sudden their kids in their 20s and just graduated high school or just graduated college and all of a sudden they're grandbaby crazy uh, yeah and they're pushing their ideals on someone that might not be mature enough 
to realize, is this something I want? I don't know what I want. I don't even know who I am yet. But it seems like men really, I mean, is it is it really just a, a, a state of delayed adolescence that, all right, I, I get the, you know, I'm in college and my parents are pressuring me to get married and, you know, live the life on script. I get that that's, that I don't even know who I am yet. I need some time. Right. But the, it, it does just seem that a lot of young men never even ask the question. Right. They the question of is fatherhood something that I want? Not right now, but in the future. My guess is that they just constantly default to the answer being no. And it could come from fear, uncertainty, it could come from a multitude of different things. I mean, I feel like you're kind of whistling around that, that question or that answer. But... No, because how many people do we know? That have a, accidents happen. True. Well, I mean, a lot more about to happen. Yeah. A lot more about to happen. Fuck our Supreme Court. Anyhow, an accident happens. The next thing you know, it's like their fatherhood was thrust upon them. And I'm not saying it's. A well, motherhood's usually thrust upon people too, right? Absolutely. But then all of a sudden, they get the okay. Am I going to be a dad? Do I want to be a dad? Can I be a dad? And they're still not sure. Well, I mean, I, I think I think my my aunt, um, who I love, she's one of my favorite family members that we're not really related, but I love her. She said, you know, if you waited until you're ready, nobody would ever have kids right the, the the having of kids is by definition you never know what you're getting into They're, you can sometimes just have to hop on for the ride but right. it, fatherhood used to be a somewhat expected rite of passage in an american male's life and now it seems to be something they kind of only think about forgive me blake they're kind of put you on the spot they kind of only think about when they're hitting their you know 45 caliber to 49 caliber and being like oh shit i kind of would like a child right and you know forgive me for saying that but fuck you for, for you know having a goddamn half of a century before you have to think of that don't hold back tell me how you really feel well you know sorry i'm just kind of saying you know defending out for all my ladies i mean i didn't i didn't want kids and i've always known that but i know that but these are questions and and what i'm not defending my gender at all on this these are questions they should be asking yeah they should be asking themselves it's like look themselves in the mirror when they're in a new relationship or an existing one where do i want kids am i capable of being a father to somebody i mean again i feel like capability is 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 requiring a little bit too much in the moment like sometimes you rise to the occasion nobody knows unless you've done been a parent i don't think you right. know if you're capable but of it. still it's like these are questions that should be asked yes and and if someone says no i don't want children like you saying you don't want, want children this isn't an are you sure moment this is i should be taking your word for it yes and then men stop dating women that say they do want kids right but i agree with you like what i tell my friends like there is no wrong answer to the question of whether you want kids or not there's just your answer right and you just have to know what your answer is and to go back to our, our you know we keep moving somewhat away but i think these are all kind of important tangents from does dating in your 40 mean that you're a failure i think the answer is no unless you still don't have a fucking answer to questions like that yeah <laughs> and again sit down with some objective have that conversation don't sit there and let it swirl around in your head if you're not sure go to a parent planning meeting yeah go talk to your friends who are parents yeah go talk to ask your, them yeah go talk to you know people that you admire who have kids you know go talk to people who do admire that don't have kids there's there is enough of us out there that you can kind of compare and contrast children are always an opportunity cost but uh exactly stephen colbert said uh he had he was interviewing this, this person who wrote like a book on happiness and he was saying like you know according to all statistics children are the number one thing that causes happiness to decline but the joy and love he generate he has for his children and for being their father is more than makes up for it right like it you know the payoff in you know day-to-day -day transitory happiness is more than made up for in in a kind of the deep-seated joy right like the you know there's um you kind of have to know what your answers are in 40s 
You do. Not all the answers, but these are some pretty crucial ones you yeah, need to Yeah, when know. it comes to children, and then also when you're just looking at a relationship in your 40s, doing that reevaluation of your past relationships, what mistakes have I made? Right. Well, and that going back to my, you know, my pithy statement in the interview mm-hmm. that, uh, well, if you're dating over 40, you know, you're doing something wrong, right? But yeah, you, you do, right? Obviously, there's there's some relationship patterns that aren't kind of working now or never when you go on to change them. Yeah. And you sit there and it's like, okay, I've made these mistakes. Acknowledge those mistakes and learn from them. Don't sit there and jump into another relationship and go, I'm going to do the exact same thing I've done the last three times. That's worked out so well for you. Yes. Well, and the idea for this this particular topic came from one of our mutual friends, and she just broke up with a, a pretty toxic ex. And he and I are the same age. She's she's younger. She's, um, I think, uh, in her mid-30s. And he is 43 years old, where her birthdays are very similar, and he definitely has a goddamn Peter Pan complex, right? Like, he is recreating the exact same relationship patterns that he has done for the past 24 years, 25 years. Like that, he does not want increased intimacy. He does not want any of the kind of like, like these are stunningly unhealthy habits. And it, it's just like, well, if if you're not gonna change now, then when are you? Right? Like when you're sixty-four, or, if, or are you? Period. Yeah, true. It's true. Because there are people out there that will sit there and look in the mirror and go, I'm fine. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with everybody else. Yes, I feel like uh, that you just uh, encapsulated the entire appeal of Donald Trump. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bulletproof confidence that one and uh, but again it's if you're unwilling to learn and change if you're unwilling to forgive yourself for past mistakes if you're unwilling to look at it and go okay i've made a lot of dating mistakes i've made a lot of relationship mistakes if i want to have a relationship into my golden years i have to really reevaluate and fix things that i'm doing right I'd be open to change, right? Yeah. Both fixing and open to change, right? Which goes back to therapy, but also goes back to like, you know, try try dating different people, different kinds of people. Right. If you're sitting there like going like Bonnie and I talked about types, if you have a specific type that you've been chasing for years and years and years for insert said reason here and you realize, no, this isn't working. Or chasing or just catching rather, rather easily, right? You know, one or the other, either, either it's too much striving or too little. Um, interesting. Well, I just wish there was that little button on um, profiles where you could be like, you know, working on myself, trying for something different to I'm perfect the way I am. And, you know, I feel like that just yes or no, you know, uh, let me know. Let me know where you sit on that uh, personal journey of awareness uh, dating over 40, because that would be useful to know, because it's not automatically right. obvious. No, it's not. I'm always a proponent of therapy and going to therapy. But like, I mean, if you're carrying around emotional baggage from past relationships and whatnot that haven't worked, that you haven't addressed, mm-hmm. go talk to someone objective. Mm-hmm. Or hell, talk to your friends. Talk to your family. It's like, hey, it's like, you know, you're around for this. What did you see? <laughs> you know? And y'all might not like those answers every Oh, yeah. Be prepared. Uh, Actually, one of the dating books that um, I do recommend, uh, which is How Not to Die Alone, uh, utterly frightening uh, title, but it is it is interestingly useful. One of the things she says is like you need to. Yeah. The first step is to know thyself and that if you don't really know what your faults are, ask a sibling. They can whip out a top 10 list really off the top of their head. Uh, nobody like a sibling knows you uh, and is completely unconcerned with hurting your feelings. Or if you're friends with your ex, guess what? Oh, that's true. You know, hey, it's just one of the many, many joys I offer. Bonnie has something like, it's like, whoa, you really fucked up there. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, 
God. And then it was like I sit back and evaluate. Yeah, I did. You're right. You saw it. You saw it. Both barrels. Thanks. I'll take it. I'm going to drink some more of this Macallan to wash the taste uh, out of well, I mean, at least, uh, at least that's good booze to wash down the taste of failure. No, I'm just teasing. I think we're well past the time for an uncomfortable question. Yeah. I, I know what I'm going to, to do, so you go first. No. All right. I want to hear what your little accounting auditing clown has said to you about your life, 45 and 49. I want to know what it says you've not accomplished, and then I kind of want to know what you think you have accomplished with 49, less than 48 hours away. Give me five. Hmm? No, give me three. Top three. Top three. Accounting clown. Top three. Accounting clown. Voice of rationality. Accounting clown. Uh, you're not as financially stable as you want to be. Right. And that means you're bad. Uh, means you're bad. Well, I had someone ask me what my credit score was on our first date. <laughs> But you want to talk about Al. Credit score is not that bad, but I get it. Yeah. Um, I'm not as financially stable as I want to be. I figure I'd be further along in my career. Meaning like manager, director. Manager, director. That private type of practice. Thing. Private practice, like all the things. Moving to Texas kind of stunted my career. I completely admit that. Well, Texas is deeply medieval about mental health. Yes. And I have been beating myself up since 45. Very candidly honest about that one. And I'm going to be 49 and I'm still single. That's a big disappointment in yourself, isn't it? Yep, 100%. Why? Because of my own shit, I've had relationships that I've absolutely sabotaged. Because of my own trauma, my own self-absorption, my own, as Bonnie likes to point out, my own emotional unavailability. And these are things that... I've had to admit to myself over the last couple of years. But that clown thinks that those rela- you'd still be in those relationships if it, was, if it wasn't for you? Is that what that clown says is true? Yep. You know, I'm, not not- saying, I'm not saying the clown is right. I'm just I'm Auditing saying. Auditing clowns usually are, 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 are you know, a suspect source. <laughs> but that's, what the, that's the truth, the lie. Right, that your auditing clown is telling you about that. It's like, have I been a bad boyfriend in the past? Absolutely. But have you been a good boyfriend in the past? Yes, I have. All right, so it kind of isn't giving a full tally. It's always easy to look at the negative, and it's always easy to magnify those negative aspects and then forget about the good. Yes. Because stunningly, it's being your own worst critic. All right, so what are the top three things? Uh, What's the opposite of an auditing clown? I mean, I... Uh, uh, an angel with beer? I mean, I don't know. Um, angel with beer. Okay. Well, one, here, a big one for me is like, I'm making it to 49. Fuck yes. Yeah. Uh-uh. Didn't think we got here. Woo, woo, woo. That's a big one for me, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, considering he was an undercover narcotics officer when he was 20 years old, think about like the lifespan for those kinds of cops. Come on. Yeah. So I made it to 49. So winning. Mm-hmm. Living is the best revenge. Yeah, living is the best revenge. Also, I completed my education later in life. You did, but you completed it pretty impressively. Yeah, I banged out my bachelor's degree, master's degree in a little under six years. Fuck yes, while working a full-time job. Several full-time jobs. Several full-time jobs, actually. And a profession that you're good at and passionate about. Yeah, and um, I'll toot my own horn on this one. It's like right now, the work I'm doing, I am doing the best work of my life. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but like right now, I am doing active counseling and an inpatient outpatient program for uh, stroke and um, traumatic brain injury patients. Kind of amazing. I think you really enjoy this. Yeah, I absolutely enjoy it. As Bonnie likes to point out, I have a stupid human trick where I can get anybody to talk to me. Yes. And um, that stupid human trick does not work in this dynamic, period. Because they can't talk. Some can't talk. Some that can only know a handful of words. Well, so you're challenged to communicate, perhaps not with your silver tongue, silver fox combo, but more basic and human. Yeah. But you're doing it. I'm doing it. And like I said, I am right now 
now in my career, I'm doing the best work I've ever done. That's awesome. That's not a bad place to be at 49. It's not. It's not. I just need to beat that auditing clown to death. Yeah. Just remember that when you try to bring out the clowns. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks. I love you. Love you back. 49, 49, seven squared. What's not to like? Sorry. Yeah. Just so exciting. So my uncomfortable question is similar for you. We you know, like we talked about feeling like you're a like failures and whatnot or feeling less than because which you don't feel that way it's like when did you come to when did you come to that conclusion now oh well i mean so yeah i had kind of a early midlife crisis so to speak which uh i remember you i don't think you told our listeners but uh there is something these feelings that we're having these questions that we're having over 40 these are also right directly in line with our developmental path right like these are what other people our age are doing uh what do you call it the uh, the erickson stages of development erickson stages of development right and one of those stages is what is it called generativity versus stagnation stagnation right is you know kind of a moment where you take stock and you either stay still or you move forward mm-hmm. i mean i did that in my mid-30s that's when i did the whole cliche right uh, you know, I went to Burning Man and had an epiphany and quit my job, quit my friends, quit my family, quit my life uh, and made a wholesale change. Went from working for a global consultancy firm to being a concierge at a downtown Austin spa. And it was awesome and took a lot of stock of my life, realized that I was an addict. I, I um, was addicted to overwork. I gained a lot of sense of power and pride through my professional self at the literal atrophying of other parts of me. But I also was working on a life off script and I had friends that were married or getting married or prioritizing marriage or all they could fucking think about was marriage um, or, you know, having kids and, you know, buying houses and just sort of moving through these life stages that I was not and did not want to do. And I was succeeding at a job that rewarded the worst parts of my personality, right? I would get bonuses for lying well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was raised to be a gifted liar. I don't need to be better at it. I don't need to be financially incentivized by my company to be better at it. And I didn't want to be continuing to be successful by in what I considered being my worst self. Okay. And so I had to figure out who I was, right? Or actually more importantly, I had to figure out who I could be and wanted to be because I kind of knew who I was and that was not a very good person, right? But I wanted to be a good person and I wanted to be happier. And that's when I'm telling you, like I, I found the Burner community and I'm so grateful for them. They did settle something inside of me because they helped me figure out what, what my purpose is in this life and on this planet and how to judge this relative success of my life. And that is to be a better human. Right on. And I am hands down a much better human than I've ever been. And I am dedicated to continuing to be a better human. As I was saying, like I'm a much better human than either one of my freaking parents and i'm a hell of a better human than i was raised to be rock and roll and um with that sense of frankly i mean success right i know i know that i am a better human and i also know that that is a choice i make every day every moment every minute to be a better human then i kind of don't have to can let myself off the hook but also it takes a lot of the urgency away from the idea of leaving a legacy when you don't have children 
well, what do you do? You know, do you need to write the great American novel? Do you need to paint the, you know, masterpiece painting? You know, how do you, how do you impact your world when you're not, you know, contributing your DNA to it? Well, and I do recognize that I think if I don't really give a genuine open-hearted shot at a healthy, romantic, and sexual relationship with a man, then I do kind of think at the end of the day, my life will have been not a failure, but kind of a tragedy. Okay. That that does on some level mean that my trauma kind of did ruin me. And I, I refuse, refuse, refuse to accept that that, to accept that as truth because it, it hasn't ruined me yet. And I don't, I, I cannot let it. And that does mean being vulnerable. And that does mean being a shit ton of therapy. It does mean kind of, you know, dating outside of the box and maybe dating excruciatingly slowly and maybe being honest about some of my sharper edges and honestly, perhaps less secretive about my softer ones. Right on. But uh, it was a lot of words in a monologue. Did it answer your question? Yep, it did. Thank you. Yeah. So, I believe we have answered the question. Ladies and gentlemen, our amazing freaking audience of Drinking With Your Axe, I would like to hear your answers, right? What is a failed life? What is a failed human? And But also, what is a successful life? What yeah. is a successful human? And, you know, how can you even know the answer to that until the end and the tally is taken? I definitely think it's worth asking, and I definitely think it's worth, you know, kind of beating up those uh, auditing clowns in one's head. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> All right, everyone. I think we're coming around to the end tonight. Oh, yeah, we got real chatty. We were a little rusty. We got really chatty. But we love you. And again, questions, answers, you know, share it with everybody. Share, share, share. Uh, drinkingwithyourex.com. I'm Bonnie Neal. I am Blake Thompson. It's time for a refill. Good night.